Welcome to a nonfiction story cast about people in Seattle who built churches and how they did it. I'm Cindy Safranoff. I'm the author, and this is Dedication, building the Seattle branches of Mary Baker Eddy's church, a centennial story. Part 2, Episode 2, Call to Action. 1929. Any member at any of the 12 Christian Science churches in Seattle could have initiated a proposal of some kind for financial support for the struggling branch in the University District, Third Church of Christ Scientist. No Christian scientist would have wanted to see the church fail. The one who took action when action was needed was Walter G. Stanley. Mr. Stanley was an ideal initiator for such a proposal because of the depth and breadth of his Christian science church experience and connections. During the previous two decades, he had lived in several districts in Seattle, had been a member at several branch churches, and had gotten to know church members at all the area churches through his involvement with joint church activities. The location of his office was also helpful. Since 1926, he had worked on the top floor of the Empire Building, this 12-story office building that towered over most of the other buildings downtown, was at the heart of the downtown Central Business District on 2nd Avenue at Madison Street, a prominent landmark developed by a prominent civic leader, Judge Thomas Burke. It had long been prominent in Seattle's civic life. It was where all the parades began. The Empire Building had also long been prominent in Christian science history in Seattle. For about 16 years, it had been a regional hub of Christian science activity. A Christian science reading room, jointly operated by the two largest congregations, First and Fourth Churches of Christ Scientist, was on the seventh floor. There were committee rooms in the building for various joint church activities, and over the years, many meetings for church-related business had taken place in the building, including board meetings, membership application interviews, and building committee meetings. Thirty-one Christian science practitioners had offices in the building at that time, mostly on the upper floors, and there had been as many as three Christian science teachers in the building. Stanley's office for his professional Christian science healing practice was just down the hall from Edith S. Alexander, CSB, one of two Christian science teachers in the building at that time. The other teacher, John E. Plater, CSB, was on the eighth floor. Stanley came into Christian science as a young child when it was very new. He grew up in Rock Falls, Illinois, about 100 miles west of Chicago, the first stronghold of Christian science outside of Boston. His aunt had an illness that could not be cured by the doctors. After she was healed through Christian science, his mother Florence took up serious study of the spiritual teachings. To please his mother, Stanley read the weekly Christian science Bible lesson with her at home, since there were no Christian science churches in their area. After completing high school, about 1898, while on a camping trip with his brother in Yellowstone National Park, he became very ill. His mother had put an issue of the Christian Science Journal into his travel bag. 
He read it in his tent and experienced healing. It was the first time he had prayed effectively for himself. Decades later, he testified of a long list of healings, including back pain, a severely injured ankle, acute appendicitis, and of far greater significance to him, all phases of a false self, envy, resentment, hate, malice, and so forth. Around 1906, he and his mother took class instruction in Christian science together in Chicago from one of Mary Baker Eddy's students. A blessing for which I have never ceased to be grateful, he later wrote. A few months after the class, people began to come to the Stanley residence for church services. Then a Christian Science Society was formed and the services were moved to a public hall. Stanley was involved in several Seattle branch churches in their formative years, too. In 1909, he became a member of First Church, which at that time was in the early phase of its building project. He helped found Fourth Church and was a member there through construction of its first unit, the daylight basement level that eventually became the Sunday school. Then he joined Third Church and was a member through most of its building project. When his family moved to the new Lake Forest Park community at the northern end of Lake Washington, he joined the newly formed Christian Science Church there, Ninth Church. In 1929, he was serving on its board of directors as clerk. Besides being responsible for communications and record-keeping, the board clerk position included membership in the Joint Lecture Committee, which was tasked with putting on six jointly funded Christian Science lectures that year. No small undertaking, even with having one consistent event venue since the opening of the Seattle Civic Auditorium on Mercer Street. The Joint Lecture Committee, which was comprised entirely of board clerks, provided an opportunity for informal dialogue between representatives from all the Christian Science churches in the Seattle area. It was at a joint lecture meeting that Stanley floated a proposal for joint dedication. Stanley must have known from personal experience about previous proposals for financial cooperation on construction projects. He was at First Church shortly after the 1906 Unity Resolution. He was at Fourth Church in 1912 when they funded the First Church building project as though it were their own and they helped organize the first joint reading room and the first joint church committees. He was at Third Church in 1920 when they proposed their unsuccessful plan for cooperative construction financing. He likely knew through his friends at Third Church what was being discussed about the terms of their mortgage bonds, as rumblings of instability in the financial markets grew louder. In March 1929, the Seattle Times reported a stock sell-off that drove prices down to a new low for the year. This sharp break on the New York Stock Exchange occasioned widespread nervousness over the credit situation. Uneasiness in the banking industry, according to the Times, had a disturbing effect on speculative sentiment. The stock market rebounded, but the credit scare lingered. By August, the whole economy had cooled. It was during this acute scarcity of money 
that the issue of the bond terms came to the fore at Third Church. It was a terrible time to refinance a mortgage. Because Third Church had sold mortgage bonds to individuals, primarily local Christian scientists, the situation had an extra dimension of potential personal impact within the Christian science communities. Investors had the right to force the sale of the building to recoup their investment and had to consider their own financial needs in a difficult economy when money was suddenly in short supply. Third Church responded to the impending financial crisis by forming a dedication committee. Six church members, three men and three women, were appointed to work for dedication. Since Christian science churches are only dedicated when debt-free, this assignment implied working to eliminate all debt. But this work had nothing to do with conventional fundraising methods, special fundraiser events or solicitation letters, and the membership body had repeatedly chosen not to apply for grants or loans available through the Mother Church. This work was metaphysical, church historian Ruth Eileen Gormley later wrote of the dedication committee. Metaphysical work meant prayerful study of the Bible and Mary Baker Eddy's writings to gain a higher, fuller understanding of God, which, by elevating human consciousness, according to the teachings of Christian science, would naturally and necessarily result in an improved situation. As Eddie wrote, Correcting the motive, it corrects the act that results from the motive. The science of Christianity makes pure the fountain in order to purify the stream. If we work to become Christians as honestly and as directly upon a divine principle and adhere to the rule of this principle as directly as we do to the rule of mathematics, we shall be Christian scientists, and do more than we are now doing, and progress faster than we are now progressing. The metaphysician goes to the fount to govern the streams. The fount the church members needed to purify was their subconscious false beliefs. Those attending most Christian science churches throughout the world, including in the university district, looked up at a quote on the auditorium wall by Mary Baker Eddy. Divine love always has met and always will meet every human need. Often paired with one by Jesus from the Bible, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The metaphysical work was to know the truth, really know understand, and be unshakably confident that God meets every need, even financial needs, even the financial need of Third Church. The dedication committee met every Friday evening at 8 o'clock. Miss Gormley explained their approach. Regular meetings were held at which some idea of progress to take back to the membership and lead them to think progressively was worked upon by the group. Each time, they would see more fully to realize whatever financial support was needed 
for that was the problem, would be supplied. By June, the committee expanded to include the entire membership in the dedication work. They often held inspirational meetings immediately after their Wednesday evening testimony meetings. Members would share insights from their own improved understanding of dedication as a spiritual concept as a result of their individual study of the Bible. As Gormley wrote, The important spiritual lesson learned by the church members in meeting this problem was that each one had to start where he was and grow, instead of everyone trying to give the other his own viewpoint. To include everyone in this metaphysical work, the board mailed reports to members who were not regularly attending church meetings. Their dedication work bore fruit. Financial contributions collected at Sunday church services increased, and they received a few contributions from other branch churches in the area, including First Church and Fourth Church, and even the little church in Auburn, a small town 25 miles south of Seattle. By September, Third Church had paid off almost half the debt, but the remaining $25,000 still weighed heavily. Stanley knew Third Church needed help. He also felt that other churches would benefit from a more formalized system for cooperative dedication. When he floated his idea at the Joint Lecture Committee meeting, it was enthusiastically received. Stanley's plan may have found more immediate support than the plan floated by Third Church a decade earlier because so many other churches had since been through their own struggles with construction debt, and some may have been in only slightly better financial position than Third Church. The church community also had an additional decade of experience working together through an increasing number of joint activities. Furthermore, Stanley was a good person to advocate for a proposal. He was relatively young. His three children were teenagers, still living at home. But he had an authoritative advantage of tall stature and prematurely gray hair. He had been in the full-time professional practice of Christian science for several years. And even when he worked as a salesman, he had been given the honor of introducing a Christian science lecture at the Hippodrome, the largest auditorium in the city. Having taken class instruction from one of Mary Baker Eddy's students carried with it a level of prestige within the Christian science community. It was presumed that he had an unusually solid understanding of the spiritual teachings from having such a close connection to the discoverer and founder of Christian science. Therefore, a reliably clear sense of the right course of action to take in church decisions. All of this could have contributed to Stanley's proposal being so enthusiastically received. The positive initial response from the other church clerks encouraged Stanley to take immediate formal action. On October 21, 1929, the board of directors of Ninth Church held a special meeting and passed a resolution. Be it resolved 
that this church devote its collection of November 3rd next to the building fund of Third Church of Christ Scientist Seattle, that the clerk be instructed to communicate with the churches and societies of Christ Scientist, informing them of our action and inviting them to unite in contributing to Third Church from the collections of that date, so that they may be able to dedicate their edifice as soon as possible. Ninth Church was nominating the University District Branch to be the next beneficiary of United Effort of Debt Elimination, as had been done by all the branch churches for First Church in Seattle nearly two decades earlier, and again when First Church dedicated in 1920. There was a second part to the motion, a continuing strategy with broader benefit. It was further resolved that we recommend a meeting of all the boards of the Churches and Societies of Christ Zionist Seattle to be held for the purpose of considering the question of making a cooperative effort to help in paying off the building debts of the various Churches and Societies of Christ Zionist Seattle so that as many as possible may be freed from debt and the buildings dedicated within the next year. Ninth Church proposed a joint board meeting for Thursday, November 7th. A conference of members of Seattle-area Christian Science Branch churches and societies and the Mother Church was already scheduled for that evening at Third Church. All board members would meet immediately afterwards to discuss the idea of joint dedication. Stanley might have recognized concerning signs of instability in the financial markets, but it seems impossible for him or anyone else to have anticipated what occurred just after the Ninth Church call letter arrived in the mailboxes at the other branch churches. The timing could not have been more perfect. The issue of paying off the debt was about to become even more urgent for Third Church. The Christian Science Church community in Seattle had endured adverse conditions many times before over the previous 40 years. No matter what was going on, no matter how dire the situation seemed to be, they had pressed on, confident in the truth of the very first line of Mary Baker Eddy's book, Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures. To those leaning on the sustaining infinite, Today is big with blessings. Thanks for listening to Dedication by me, Cindy Safranoff. All events and characters in this story are as true and accurate as the available sources. All opinions are mine. To support and learn more about this groundbreaking research project and read my writing, visit cindysafranoff.com.